Welcome to Ascent, a podcast from Impact Youth Ministry in Tacoma, Washington. Each week, we discuss issues relevant to students as they strive to follow Jesus here and now, offering a biblical perspective based on our experience leading teens each week. Let's get started. Well, hello. I'm here today with Kayla Mingo, one of our high school women's leaders, and just want to say welcome, Kayla. It's so good Thanks. to have you here. I'm pumped. I'm so excited. <laughs> What's the most exciting part about this for you? Being able to say, oh, I did a podcast once. I was on a podcast once. Check it out. Here's the link. <laughs> the only thing is it's not going to be as exciting when people realize, oh, yeah, it's with that guy who tells the lame dad joke. <laughs> What you could like, oh, it's that guy that wears that purple tracksuit. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> and he tells dad jokes. Added bonus. Well, uh, Kayla, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's get to know you a little bit before we dive in. Yeah, sure. Well, like you said, my name is Kayla. I am 27 years old. Don't tell anybody. And I am half American and half Argentinian. I am the oldest of six kids, and uh, there's five girls, one boy. You may know the boy. His name is Mickey. Um, And my parents are actually missionaries in Nicaragua. Their names are Adrian and Cheryl Mingo. And you may actually know my grandparents, too. They're the reason that I'm at FBC. Uh, Chuck and Dottie Tucker. Yeah. That's a little bit about myself. I've been at FBC, I think, for like five and a half years now. I recently became a member not that long ago. Ooh. Yeah, it took me it took me a while. Um, and I've been a youth leader at um, Impact for five years or so. I want to say wow. something like that. Yeah, I've seen enough middle schoolers graduate now. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Were you actually born in Nicaragua? No, no, no. I was born here. I was born at St. Joe's. But I think the longest I've lived in the states is this n- now, like the last five and a half years. When I was, I think, like a year and a half, two years old, my parents moved back to Argentina. And that's where my brother was born. And then I was probably like four when we moved to Panama and we lived there for almost eight years. I think I was like 11 and a half when we moved to Nicaragua. And then once I um, graduated from high school, we ended up or well, not we. I ended up leaving um, and I went to the Word of Life Bible Institute in Argentina. And now I'm here. The best part about being a missionary's kid in Central America is? Oh gosh, I was not prepared. I I don't know. I kind of feel like the best part was being able to, I was homeschooled too. So I was able to kind of like do school whenever I wanted. Basically, Um, it wasn't like we had a strict schedule. So we could basically just get in the back of the truck and go to the waterfall or, you know, hang out at the beach all day. And that was nice. And then I would have to say, like, I think Nicaragua was probably my favorite country to live in just because everybody was so nice. The culture there is just it's a beautiful culture, beautiful people. And I really enjoyed it a lot. I imagine that being the daughter of missionaries probably gave you a rather early introduction to Jesus. It did. Yes. I was born into a Christian family, so I went to church since I was born. My mom's parents have been Christians their entire lives as well. So I come from a long line of Christian family. So yeah, I went to church from a very early age and I believe I was 
about five years old when I came to know Jesus as my personal savior. I think even at that young age, I'm not really sure how it all happened exactly. It's kind of, it's a very vague memory, but I do remember being that little and knowing that there was something in my heart that was bad or that kept me away from Jesus. And I just remember sitting at the top of my grandma's stairs and praying and just talking to Jesus and asking him to basically come into my heart at that age, you know, like those are the, the words that you say. I don't really know how it happened. Like if somebody had told me about that before or I just know that around that age was when I accepted Jesus as my personal savior. Since I was like five when I accepted Jesus, it wasn't like a lot of things changed in my life. I can't really say that, oh, I had a very difficult childhood, I guess, or that I had a lot of things that I was turning away from and turning to Jesus. I don't think there was much of a change from, you know, being five and then accepting Christ. But I think my relationship with Jesus became a bit more personal once I became a teenager. So I was probably around um, 16 when I rededicated my life to Christ. It was kind of where I decided, oh, I want to take this seriously, you know, um, even there, though was I... Was something that maybe pushed you that way or something? I think it was the people in my life at that time. There were a couple of different women that really invested in me. And I don't know, they just kind of showed me that the Christian walk didn't have to be a very boring or, you know... A bunch of rules kind of a thing. I guess growing in a Christian family also or growing up in a Christian family also made me feel a little bit and not just a Christian family it was the missionaries family. So it definitely made me feel a little bit more like self-conscious in a way. I felt very watched and pressured and like there were a lot of expectations on me and I felt I've never been the kind of person that can put up a front, I guess. Like I just what you see is what you get. Like I have a really hard time being fake and also being around fake people. Like it just is not my thing. I don't like it. And so I think that was kind of a struggle because I I I never liked to be that way and I never tried to be that way, but maybe a little bit I was, you know, because I don't think my relationship with Christ became my very own until I was probably around 16. Like it didn't really become real and personal for myself until about that age. That's around the time too. Like I decided I wanted to be more involved in ministry and I became a youth leader uh, for our local church. And honestly, I really think the youth pastor let me be a youth leader at the age of 16 only (laughs) because I know I was still in high school and I became a high school leader, but it was only because I was the missionary's daughter. Like that's honestly, truly the only reason I can think of for why he would allow me to be a youth leader. But yeah, I I guess that's kind of like where my passion for youth ministry started. So I've been a youth leader since I was 16. So that's like, yeah, over a decade now. I kind of feel like the that's where my initial passion and love for it started. And it's not like it's diminished or anything over the years. If anything, I love it even more now. It's just been cool to watch kids go from such a young age and then really make decisions for Christ that are very real and very impactful in their own lives. And then seeing them now and seeing where they are and what they're doing, that's been really cool to watch. Like getting that front row seat to seeing how Christ changes people's lives, you know, not just myself, but like in, you know, other people and 
I don't know. It's just been really cool to watch. Um, and it's definitely been an impact in my own life and like my own personal decisions of what I wanted to do in life and things like that. After I graduated from high school, I decided to go to the Word of Life Bible Institute in Argentina. There's one in New York and one in Florida. Word of Life is like a, this big ministry. It's, it's really cool. It's a really cool ministry. And I had the opportunity to go to Argentina. It's the same place where my parents met actually because my dad's from Argentina and my mom's American so cool. yeah that's where they met and I got to go and I was there for about three and a half years or so and it was really cool because it was this awesome opportunity that I got to just basically study the Bible like that's all we did <laughs> we didn't study anything else it was just the Bible and I would definitely encourage anybody if they ever got the chance to do that I know it's a big chunk of time and commitment, but so worth it. How long were you there? I was a student for about three and a half years. Yeah. So they have like a one year program, a three year program, and then a four year program. And I stayed for three. It was awesome. And I really do feel like that was the place where, like I said, I rededicated my life to Christ when I was 16. But I really think at the Bible Institute is where God really spoke to me. And it was just, he was my God. It wasn't just my parents' God or my grandparents' God. It was, it, he was my God. So I did a lot of growing there. God really stretched me in a lot of different ways. And it was awesome. But yeah, I I feel like it was a really good place for growth. And, and God really stretched me in a lot of different ways. And he really showed me, it was very humbling because growing up in a Christian home and being the missionary's kid, you think you know a lot of Bible. <laughs> and then going there and studying, literally all you did was study theology all day, every day. And it was just humbling because there was, there wasn't, is still so much about the Bible that I don't know. But yeah, it was, I think it's one of those things where you can really understand what it means like you don't really fall in love with a person until you get to know them and once you get to know them then you can like actually say like oh yeah I love this person not just the idea of the person mm -hmm. and that's where I really got to know God and yeah it was it's hard to not fall in love <laughs> when you get to know him right a lot better so yeah I would like I said I would definitely encourage anybody if you ever got the chance to go and study just the Bible like do it like immerse yourself in that kind of a situation do it I'd also encourage anybody just at home like do it <laughs> you know, just immerse yourself do it you everybody know? everywhere just do it just, just study it. do it I think when I was there you know it, like I said, it was humbling and it was also very eye opening because I really felt like God shone a flashlight into my heart. And, you know, like on the surface, you could see all the big major issues that I had to really give over to him and let him work on is not like little pebble things like they were boulders, like they were giant, you know, big uh, boulders inside my heart that he needed to kind of get out of there. And I feel like as time went on and he was working on those big things, then it was kind of like he took a spoon and then started digging inside my heart and then realizing like, oh my gosh, like there's more than just the surface level stuff that I got to work on. And like I said, it was very eye opening. Um, there's a lot that I, I didn't realize that I needed to hand over to him a lot of different idols and sins in my heart that you know, did not belong there that were taking up his space. And a big thing that I really feel like he worked on in my heart, and I kind of wish that, I don't know, I'd known even earlier, 
I feel like I was blessed to kind of be able to know this a little early on, but also I wish I'd known even earlier, (laughs) but he really showed me the kind of freedom that you can have in knowing who you are in Christ. I think growing up, you know, throughout your teenage years or early 20s, like right now still, you know, and even later on in life, there there is a freedom in knowing who you are in Christ because you're not so concerned with other people's opinions of you so much as you're concerned with the way that God views you and the way God thinks of you. And that's like a big thing that he taught me during those years to just kind of, I feel like having been born into the missionary family and kind of always being under people's scrutiny, I guess, you know, just kind of dissecting every little thing that you do and kind of saying, okay, well, your parents didn't do a good job if you did this or, you know, which is horrible too, because then you feel the pressure of like my parents' ministry, you know, (laughs) it's going to be affected by my life choices Mm. and things like that. I don't know. I, I wish I had known earlier on you know, like you're not going to meet everybody's expectations all the time and you should concern yourself more with what God thinks of you. And that's not to say that that gives you freedom to do whatever you want, you know, quite the contrary. Like there there are certain things that you have to follow, like the Bible (laughs) and you have to live your life according to the Bible Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not so much about what others think, whether that's your parents or your friends or, you know, if you have godly parents, obviously one of the commandments in the Bible is to honor your parents. But even at that, it points out other people's, whether it be your parents even, or, you know, somebody else who's judging you from the outside where their expectations are coming from. And and really it's a way for the people doing the judging to kind of examine themselves and see where they're getting their standard. Yes, yes, exactly. But I think, you know, leaving the Bible Institute and being able to, because there too, it's it's a little different because you're surrounded by, it's almost like you're I may get in trouble for saying this, but it's almost like you're in a little bubble of sorts because you're just surrounded by Christianity all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, things happened, obviously, because we're all human. But at the same time, there was a different kind of pressure there, too. You know, like you have to act a certain way and be a certain way because everybody's kind of living under that same standard. But I don't know. I wish I'd have realized earlier on, like concern yourself more with what God thinks of you. And instead of, you know, focusing so much on other people and what they think of you, uh, I feel like I learned that later on. But I think all of the worrying and anxiety, anxiety and, you know, things like that would have probably (laughs) faded a little more if I'd have just known that earlier on. (laughs) That's I think one of the biggest things that I I got out of the Bible Institute, obviously not the biggest, but one of the bigger ones for sure. For me personally, like lessons that he taught me along the way. And I feel like right now, I don't know, it's been it's been quite a journey (laughs) from living in a third world country and living in a very different culture and then coming to the States and forming my life here. So what led you from Argentina to the States? I <laughs> I had kind of made plans, different plans w- before I graduated from the Bible Institute and they heavily relied on a man <laughs> and those plans <laughs> didn't uh, pan out. So I think when I graduated, I was very lost because I didn't know what to do because I'd already planned my entire life like, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And so when it didn't work out, I... I I just didn't know what to do. And I remember having a conversation with my dad, um, calling him and like crying. And my dad is 
my mom's usually the one that's like, Kayla, you need to chill. <laughs> like, get a hold of yourself, woman. <laughs> and this time it was my daddy. And he was just like, Kayla, you need to take a step back. Stop thinking so much about yourself right now. Like, there are so many other things that you could be doing with your life instead of wallowing in self-pity. And so it was very uh, kind of like a little slap, like, <laughs> you know, a wake-up call, I guess. And he encouraged me and pushed me to look outside of myself and my situation and really look to God, ask him, you know, what do you want me to do? And so he encouraged me to reach out to my grandparents and see if maybe I could get like an internship somewhere uh, at, a, at a church in the States where I could, you know, maybe study and just be more involved in ministry. And so my dad encouraged me to do that. And I reached out to my grandparents and I kind of asked them, so like, hey, what's happening over at your church? And they told me about Earl Oliver, who is the um, counseling pastor here. They kind of made the connection for me. And when I moved up here, I started to do counseling um, classes with Earl. It was bomb. <laughs> it was so cool. I really enjoyed it so much. Um, but yeah, counseling and psychology is probably one of my favorite things ever. Mm -hmm. And it was just awesome to to learn so much under Earl. It was also good for me personally, because I feel like it brought out a lot of stuff that I was even struggling with that I hadn't really talked to anybody about. And it was just it was awesome to to kind of hear her or his perspective on those certain situations and to kind of shed God's light on those situations. So it was all around one of like one of the best experiences of my life, I feel like. And I did that class, I think, two times <laughs> because I did it the <laughs> first round. And I was actually only supposed to stay in the States for a year. And after we did the mission trip to Yakima back in 2014, that was like my first outing with the youth group, I think. I got closer to the Guzman family and Steph Guzman became my mentor. And so I got to know her family a bit more. And Ryan Guzman heard me talking about how I was only planning on staying in the States for one year. And he was like, absolutely not. I think he was in seventh or eighth grade, I want to say. And he was like, oh, no, that's not <laughs> happening. He was like, you're going to stay until I graduate from high school. And so I kind of made him a promise that I would stay until he graduated from He's high school. graduating in like weeks. I know. You don't and have your bags packed secretly, I, do you? Um, <laughs> not quite. Not quite. But <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't have any bags packed. No, no, no. We're in the middle of a quarantine. <laughs> Where am I going to go? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But I did promise him I would stay until he graduated. Like that was the, it went from one year to like six years in just one car ride. How long was the class you went through with Earl? I want to say it was almost a year because that's why I was, I was staying here for the full year with Earl. And then after we finished that year, I remember it wasn't just me. It was like me and Matt Forbes and Nate Corley, uh, Ray and Janet Nichol, Tyla and Randy. Yeah, there were several of us in that class. And then after it finished, I remember being like, so can I get like another round? <laughs> because I, <laughs> I want to keep learning more. And um, so, yeah, then Earl and I started getting together, I think like every Thursday or something. And he would still open up the book and we'd go over things. And it was awesome. It was, it was it was really cool. Do you still have a plan to move back? <laughs> um yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I I do 
plan on moving back home within the next couple of years. During this time that I've been in the States, I actually have worked for the same company for about six years now. And it's the original Pancake House on Sixth and Pine in Tacoma. And I started out as a shout out to my boss. Hey, (laughs) if you're ever listening to this, Blake. Yeah. Awesome boss. Awesome company. Yeah. So I started there as a hostess about six years ago and gradually made my way up to the general manager position. Yeah, that's my baby. Okay, boss. Yeah, that's my little store. During that time while I was working there, I realized how much I really enjoyed business and how much I really enjoyed what I was doing. And I realized at some point I decided I was going back to school during that time. And yeah, at some point I was like, oh, I kind of want to do something more. And it's my one and only year where I took off youth ministry. And I would have to say, hands down, worst, worst life year of your life. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. It was no awful. Oh my gosh. Life. I hated it so much. That year was so hard. It was the year 2017. It was so hard. It was such a rough year. Isn't that like Ebola year? <laughs> I don't, I don't remember. Don't know, I just, just remember kidding. that I felt like, oh, it was horrible because For work, I had to be up by like 5 a.m., but my classes didn't end until like 10.30 p.m. And I was living out in Fife and there was a lot of construction going on during that time. So I'd get all the way back home around midnight or something and I'd be going to bed around that time. And then I'd have to wake up the next day and do it all over again. And it was awful and I didn't see anybody. I slept. Ask Michaela. She would come home and if I had like any time off or whatever I was sleeping the entire time or she would leave at like 6 p.m. and I'd already be asleep and she'd come home and it'd be like 1 a.m. and I was still passed out and I wouldn't wake up until the next day it was just Mm. I was so tired all the time Mm. and I would just cry all the time (laughs) my staff would come into work and I'd be sitting at a booth just like bawling my eyes out (laughs) like I can't do this Uh, yeah it was it was awful but I decided to go back to school and I originally was going to go for psychology and counseling and then I had a conversation with Stephanie and she was you know asking me so if you could do anything in the world what would you do and I was like if I could do anything in the world I would have like a little cafe next to the beach and I would have all my teenagers from youth group come over and we'd just sit and chat and talk and there would be tons of books and coffee and tea and good food and it would just be the best thing ever. Good music. And she was like, then why are you going to school for psychology? And so she pushed me to actually pursue business. And I realized like, oh, I dig this. Apart from the math, I really enjoy this. (laughs) So That's why you hire somebody for that. Yeah, I decided that I really wanted to do that instead. So I have a plan of going back home and opening up my own coffee shop. On the beach? Not on the beach. With lots of books and really good music? It it will have lots of books and lots of good music, but it's not going to be on the beach because, like, business-wise, it probably wouldn't be the best. (laughs) But, you know... It's okay, though. You just drive an hour either side of Managua and you find a beach. So it's all good. It's all by the beach. (laughs) Yeah, it's all by the beach. The plan is to go back home and start my own coffee shop and use that as a way of being able to provide jobs for people there. Uh, Nicaragua is the second poorest country on the Western Hemisphere. Um, So there is a lot of unemployment and, you know, poverty. So I want to be able to create 
jobs and opportunities for people and then also use that as a ministry. My hope is to use the cafe to also be able to provide a more, I don't want to use the word stable, but in a way like a more um, stable income for uh, the the ministry that my parents have, which is Energes Mission International Emmy. Right now, the ministry relies heavily on, you know, other people supporting it and just basically like fundraising. And so I would love to be able to have an income that would just directly go into the ministry and that be used for, you know, scholarships for kids or just like building projects. Right now, uh, we're in the process of building this multi-purpose room for camps and, um, like different rooms to be able to host kids over for for camps and in activities and conferences and things like that. So I would love to be able to do that as well. Just like a certain percentage of it goes straight into the ministry fund. Um, And then also just be able to host different nights, you know, with like different promos like, oh, hey, bring a friend and you get a free drink. And it's like open evangelism kind of a night type thing. And yeah, so that's my dream Uh, within the next couple of years. Hopefully it'll start coming together. But Michaela and Michael are also helping me with my whole branding situation. And it's pretty fun. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So if there was one thing right now that you could pass on to the students who are who are listening, maybe a piece of advice or uh, some words of wisdom that you haven't already passed on, what would you like to tell them? I think just very similar to what I said earlier, I wish I had known earlier on that, you know, there is freedom in knowing who you are in Christ. John 8 through 2 says that the truth will set you free. And I really, really believe that like the truth, if you know God and you know what he says about you and you study the Bible and actually learn more about him and what he thinks of you, there is such a freedom in that. And I know nowadays I feel like we rely so much on other people's opinions of us, whether that's because of social media or just the media in general, you know. Just regular social pressure. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like there's so much of this idea of what we need to look like, what we need to be like, what we need to have, whether that's, you know, material or educational values or whatever it is, you know. I feel like we put so much value on that instead of what God thinks of us. And I really wish I had known earlier on and I still struggle with it. It's not like I that's gone away, you know. Yeah. But I think there's a confidence that you gain from knowing who Christ made you to be. If Mm. that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. I think, too, like it is a confidence booster knowing that he is greater than anything else in this world, you know. And I don't know. I think having a correct perspective of yourself, a correct perspective of what God thinks of you is probably the biggest thing that's impacted or changed my personal life. I tend to have a very, uh, like I said, I don't enjoy like fakeness it's just not I like depth and I like realness my growth group girls will tell you that we will not end our growth group meeting time or whatever until somebody at least is like crying over something real real (laughs) or like it has to be deep like I mean we cannot leave until somebody shares something real like and that's my biggest thing that that's one of my biggest passions like just be real like let's just be open and honest and vulnerable even though it's scary but like that's where growth comes in you know that's how you learn to 
to really grow into who Christ wants you to be. I think when we put so much emphasis on the world and what the world has to offer, what the world says, we're basically giving power over to Satan, you know, like he, I mean, the Bible says in John 10, 10, that uh, he came to steal and kill and destroy. And it's not just like, oh, he's here to steal your stuff. Like, no, the dude's here to steal your joy and your confidence and your peace. And I, he's here to destroy all of those things, you know, and to destroy what you could become if you just relied on Jesus. And, you know, it, later on in that verse, it does say that Jesus came to give life and not just to give life, but give life abundantly. And I think there, you know, that word abundantly, like, that is whole, like a whole life, like a full, complete, like, you know, a, a big life. I think one of the biggest struggles when I was a teenager, too, was feeling like, oh, the Christian life is just bleh. like it's boring and it's just a bunch of rules that you got to follow. And mm-hmm. yes, there are a bunch of rules that I guess in a way, like, sure, they're rules, but I don't think you really view them as rules when you realize like those were set in place so that you could live a life that is just the best thing that you could ever imagine, you know, like the best version of it that you could ever have. But yeah, I think the last thing I I wanted to kind of put an emphasis on, and if I can pull this verse up really fast. Yes. Okay. So I wanted to kind of just put an emphasis on this verse. Um, Philippians 4, 8, it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And I've realized that a lot of the time, a, a lot of the bigger issues in my life tend to start in my mind. <laughs> More often than not, everything starts in there. And I realize that it's because I'm not spending enough time meditating on God's word because the thinking of these things, like think of these things or dwell on these things, it's not just like oh, like a fleeting thought. Like it's actually dwelling on it. Meditating means like consistently like dissecting it and really bringing it fresh to mind and, you know, pondering it, not just... Oh, yeah, I know that person. And one of the first things it says is um, whatever is true. And when I was at the Bible Institute, and this is where the big change happened for me, when I realized that when it talks about whatever is true, it's not just true as in like a yes or no question or like you're lying. But it's a fact. Yeah, it's it's also true in the sense of looking towards the future or things that are in the past, thinking about those things, whether that's mistakes that you've made, like they're gone. It's not, you know, it's not part of the present anymore. Like it's not a thing anymore. So you just got to move on from those things and do better next time or thinking about things in the future that haven't even come to pass. Like that's not a reality. It's not true. It's not real. So thinking about those things, I think would cause me to really change a lot of the things that I would say or do. But when I would focus on what God said was real. And this goes to like other things as well. Like I would sit and be really self-conscious about things, being in a group of a bunch of people or a bunch of girls and thinking like, oh, they probably hate me or they probably think this of me or that, or, you know, just assuming and presuming, I guess. I wasn't thinking about things that were true, things that were real. Because nobody said those things. <laughs> like nobody voiced them. So they're not real. A lot of the confidence and a lot of um, 
Yeah, I guess a lot of the confidence that I got was from knowing what God said was real. And so I think when you really know what the truth is, when you can actually think about what's true, it changes so much of the way that you act and think and the way that you speak to people, the way that you see people, your perspective on life. And, um, and, and yeah, so I think my, the, the best words of wisdom I can give out there, (laughs) um, would probably be to really get to know who you are in Christ, not what the world says, but what Jesus says about you. I think a really good book to start would be Ephesians because that's a really good one to kind of know like who you are and it's one of my personal favorites in, in, in learning your identity um, once you become a child of God. But I would really encourage anybody to really dive deep into that book and see what God says about you and see what, how, how your perspective of things start to change, you know, and how your confidence starts to grow, not because of anything that you are personally, but because of what God's made you to be. Mm. Amen. That is perfect. Well, thank you so much, Kayla, for taking time out of your schedule to come and just share with us. It's been awesome. Thank you. Yeah, anytime. I uh, I put my Netflix on pause, so it's all good. It'll still be there. It's not <laughs> like I've sacrificed much. <laughs> I've actually really enjoyed this, too. I think it's really fun, and I am really looking forward to hearing everybody else, too. I think it'll be, I think it'll be really cool. And I miss you, homies. I'm looking forward to when this is all over. Thank you for tuning into Ascent. For more information on Impact Youth Ministry, visit www.impactyouthministry.org. We'll see you next week.